0: Hey everybody, welcome to the 11th episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Sean, just sit back and we're going to get to our show. On today's episode, you'll hear a little bit of the activities going on when Smash Wrestling takes on CCW this weekend. We'll talk about Sebastian Suave and some of the goings on in WWE this past week. Coming this October 26th to 28th at the Western Fair Agriplex, it's the 5th Annual London Comic Con, presented by Start.ca and London's Best Rock, FM96. Already announced to appear are from Star Wars, the bounty hunter himself, Boba Fett, Daniel Logan. From Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Spike, James Marsters. The Yellow Power Ranger, Serena Vincent. Ted Raimi from Ash vs. Evil Dead and Xena Warrior Princess from Star Trek The Next Generation, Deanna Troy, Marina Sirtis, and former UFC champion and former WWE Intercontinental Hardcore and Tag Team champion Ken Shamrock, plus many more names to be announced in the coming weeks. It's a three-day celebration of art, comics, and pop culture. With celebrity guests, vendors, and more, don't miss Southwestern Ontario's largest fan event. Tickets are on sale now. For more information, go to LondonComicCon.ca. Hello, and this is uh, the next episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. On the line, I got Gord. How are you, Gord? How you doing, man? Not bad. So, you were at the beach uh, today and enjoying the sun?
1: Oh, yeah, I had a long day there from 9 in the morning until now, until a few
0: hours ago. All good. It was a really good day to uh, go out there. Uh, just looking to see who else is going to join. Um, well, to start off, we'll talk about some Smash Wrestling. Uh, they're coming to Sarnia, London, and Toronto uh, next weekend. Yeah, with the CZW shows. Yeah, they'll be doing a joint uh, show uh, all weekend with uh, CZW out of uh, the U.S. And they start off uh, first on uh, July 13th on Friday uh, in Sarnia. Which one are you going to? Do you go to any of them? I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go to any of them because it is my wife's uh, birthday weekend. And I did uh, sacrifice that in exchange for her actually joining me uh, to go to McFoley in Brantford. Right. So so it's a good exchange, I think, and it's her birthday. So yeah, I'm going to unfortunately set this one out.
1: I'm in the same boat as well. I have Rock the Park tickets for Friday night, and then Saturday I wanted to go to the London show, but it's my wife's mother's birthday and kind of got some stuff going on, so it's tough to
0: leave it and go to the show. But yeah understandable uh but for those who are going on uh the friday uh the card looks like uh the following sebastian suave is taking on dj hyde former smash champion matt cross is going to uh face kevin bennett there's going to be a tag team match involving uh daniel garcia and kevin blackwood teaming together to go against the rep huff is going to face brandon kirk uh, and then there's a triple threat match with uh, Brent Banks, Marion Reed, and Tarek. And the main event will be Tyson Dukes versus Trey Miguel. Right on. I think. I don't, I think I don't, go ahead. I think if anything, uh, Friday might be my f- uh, free day because uh, might be able to make it. So that would be the show I uh, will potentially go to. Yeah,
1: that's uh, I haven't gone to, I haven't gone to a show yet in uh, Sarnia, and I really want to because they seem to get like a pretty decent card every time they go there. Like even Matt Cross
0: is gonna be on this one. That's nice. Yeah, it's almost a third market uh, for this area, with Toronto obviously being first, and then London with getting uh, the uh, TV show for Fight Network always recording between their two. Uh, venues so at the uh, Phoenix or at the London Music Hall, and then uh, Sarnia is still getting filming done, but it's for their on-demand service. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I like that too. I think it's pretty. You know, I, I like the three market there. The Sarnia, obviously, is, they do a lot of shows there when they hit London. London's obviously a good crowd for them, and uh, Toronto's their home. So I, I kind of like the little three-tour thing they do seem to try and do,
0: do blocks of. And then a couple of weeks ago, they actually added, I think, thanks to uh, Scott Hunter being involved with that, uh, Kitchener at the tannery. And so they... Yeah, I saw... That. They had their... Uh, event a couple weeks ago and they've announced their return uh, back to Kitchener. I think there's a market in Kitchener.
1: There's a lot of little promoters, There's a couple other promotions in down that way that are kicking. So
0: it's good too. Yeah, I think PWA is in that area. Um, and then there's a bunch of others. Like there's no shortage of wrestling to happen in uh, Ontario and especially Southwest Ontario. Absolutely. So, yeah, then carrying on with the local show that we're unfortunately going to miss um, is July 14th, Saturday, and uh, they all uh, come up the the 402 to London. And that show has Kevin Blackwood versus DJ Hyde, Matt Cross versus Marion Reed. Another tag team match with the rep facing this time Brent Banks and Tarek. Cody Diener is going to be on the card uh, facing MJF. Mike Rollins facing Brandon Kirk. And in the main event will be Sebastian Swab versus Trey Miguel. So, once again, another uh, stacked card. Looks great on paper and usually uh, exceeds expectations from what the paper looks like when they get it into the ring back but Once again, another stack card that's going to look uh, really good. Always uh, seems to look nice on paper and look even better when uh, they put it into the ring. And yeah, It seems to be a bigger card than
1: uh, the Sirenia show. More importantly, well, not, not importantly, but I mean, more, I guess, anticipation for me for the London card is that I have a, a very good friend who trains at uh, Tyson Dukes' school and she is also making her debut on uh, in the opening match, I guess you could say, like they kind of did last time.
0: So, yeah, Violet Lee, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, very. I'm so. I mean, she's getting a. I know she's been training her butt off for this for months, and uh, I know she's been. I know she's gone around some circuits around here lately and kind of soaked in all the information and done a little bit. And uh, she's working hard and she's training and she's. She's really excited. I know she's been going around selling tickets and trying to get anybody that we can, that we know, to go out and watch her. So I mean, she's really pumped, and we really. I'm, I'm super. am uh, super sad that I can't go to that. Cause it, but I mean, mother in law, all that kind of stuff, just kind of really sucks. But I mean, I'm rooting for her. I really wish her the best in her
0: debut match in her hometown. Yeah, myself included. I actually uh, stopped by uh, Tyson Duke's uh, Wrestling Factory this past Monday. And uh, saw the students in action, and it was great to see Tyson being hands-on with the students of how they could improve what they laid out and teaching them how to do things. I know Violet uh, was working on her German suplexes with uh, the guys, and I took some photos for her and uh, sent them along to her in uh, uh, gift form, and so she got to see it all play out that way and kind of a little embarrassed she was that you know it was happening that way because it was obviously a learning process for her and so she was happy and uh to see it but also hesitant to go oh god what is it going to look like type deal and yeah those get uh students were really working their asses off uh that day and it was really uh hot you
1: know another, another buddy of mine Foster is in that group of guys as well and he uh, he had his match last time around at smash and so i mean when i when i met foster it was at one of the first ever smash shows i went to at uh Fanshawe college and the guy was just a little little sorry sorry foster but like a little you know pipsqueak in the crowd and man he's made some improvements he's athletic he's working hard i mean he, he's a good guy solid kid young guy so i mean him and Vanessa, I'm just super stoked see, You know, that they're, they're going, they've they're
0: they taken it this far. They've learned a lot from Tyson. Yeah, at the uh, and, uh, uh, Fanshawe show, I'd uh, asked about putting signs on the uh, chairs for the scumbags to uh, reserve the, the front row that we had. And after I put those signs on, I actually was chatting up with uh, Foster for a good, uh, 10, 15 minutes uh, before the show started. He's a really good guy, and uh, yeah, he's really improved a lot over time, and actually, I'm going back to uh, the school tomorrow night, on Monday, um, to start a series that I'm going to introduce for the podcast, which includes an interview with Tyson Dukes on how he got started, but most people know how he got started in the business itself, by how he got started with the Uh, school and his inspirations that way and some of the uh, bumps they might have had and just where he is right now with that and then I'm going to uh, start interviewing the students and it's going to be a series of uh, fresh off the factory and so they uh, either do it in character or they can do it as themselves of how they've improved what they're looking forward to so it will kind of be their first interview experience and we can see how they grow from that wrestling school start to the future
1: Well, right, and that's a and that's a cool thing too about tyson school and having tyson as a teacher tyson's like a super down-to-earth humble guy really easy to talk to very mannerly and uh he knows his, he knows a shit you know so i mean whether he's got four students or 20 students, if they're willing to put in the work and the time and the effort and listen to what he's saying, they'll go as far as they want to go. You know, they'll go around Ontario, go to the States, you know, whatever. I mean, they'll go as far as they want in indie wrestling and who knows where else they can go, you know, as their careers go on. So,
0: Exactly. I've found Tyson to be a really good uh, personable as well. I, I dropped in unexpectedly at his uh, 40th birthday when, uh, Got a call from Greg Sheen, who does uh, his Silver Screen Sheen uh, radio show. He had an invite to go to the birth.
1: And, yeah, so, I mean, like, he's a, yeah. Anyone that wants to go to that school or anyone in, even in London or area that's looking to get into wrestling, you know, and they definitely could easily walk in there anytime and just give him a chat and he'd set them in the right direction. Like, he's personable like that, so.
0: Yeah, he had no uh, problem with me, just. I popped my head in and I just stood and watched. I kept out of the way of everything going on, but he didn't mind me taking photos. And then I waited respectfully for them to finish for the day. And then we uh, chatted for a couple of minutes and I told him what my idea is for the podcast and uh, highlighting the school and the students and him. And he's just like, yeah, come by anytime. And so, yeah, that's why I'm coming by on Monday. And yeah, I, my, whole experience with Tyson so far has been really friendly and very approachable I stopped by his 40th birthday uh, wasn't planning on doing so and he didn't go like oh what's this guy doing here you know didn't uh, treat me as though I was some sort of mark he was like hey thanks for coming and saying uh, happy birthday and he's really cool that way
1: Uh, to me that's my whole that's why I really have a huge respect, a big part of it, anyways, for the Smash roster and the Smash workers' management, everything else. Because for the first time I ever went to one show, you know, I, I, I'm meeting these guys that I didn't, I have no idea who they are, you know, Scott Hunter and stuff like that. And from day one, they're all super nice guys. And, you know, whether it was a, school, a Fanshawe show with 50 or 75 people at it, or, you know, a music hall show with 500, I mean, they don't. They, they, they shake your hand, they they nice to see you, you know, they, they really like, get to know you almost especially if you're a, a guy coming out and they know you're coming to all the shows, they know you're you know sharing links on Facebook or social media or whatever and, you know they just appreciate it and it's nice to see that, they're not like, oh, look that guy or whatever like, it's, they're just down to people like us just, you know, their job is wrestling and it's their passion, This just happens to be the extra part you know?
0: Yeah, they're, kind of, they're really cool that way that uh, the management and ownership have got a good team nucleus around them. And even the people that they bring in have been like first class and friendly. Like uh, when Dave and I went to uh, see the Northern tournament, we were uh, trying to figure out the parking machine across the street from the Phoenix. And we had seen Scott Hunter there and we we're just like, hey, Scott, how you doing? And he noticed we were having uh, some questions about the machine. And he approached us like, Here you go, okay, you know, he just was actually concerned that, like, keeping on doing his thing and going across the street to the venue and ignoring fans. He's just like, hey, y'all good? Okay, cool. You when know, we said we're good, thanks. Like, they're really generally good people involved with that organization. I think
1: that will definitely keep their organization growing. They'll, you know, as long as they're like that, because people definitely. I mean, it's fact of life. People take notice if you're a decent human being or not. And like I, 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 I know James now fairly personally, we like to talk about music and stuff. You know, we, are, we share the same interest for punk rock. So I mean, and you can like literally message any one of those guys on on any social media platform, and they'll pretty much answer you. I've had chats with Seb. I mean, there was a time where like you know i, I was talking to Seb about getting tickets in advance or whatever and like i mean they, they they pretty much answer any question and they'll do what they can to help providing that it's not unfair to the rest of the fans or what you know business basically but they're really good people
0: yeah like brent he uh, contributes a lot to uh the scumbags uh, page on facebook I get uh, a lot of messages from Jay Smith, who's a referee for uh, Smash. He had some activities going on, and we just have good conversation. That's why we were able to uh, support his efforts when he uh, helped put on the Dresden show for the charity of the uh, uh, Junior Kings. And so it's just everybody working together for a better uh, product and environment. And... It's give and take, and they appreciate their fans, and they'll bend over backwards if they uh, can to help out.
1: either you know. oh, it's it's absolutely noticeable, and that's one of my favorite things about the whole organization. Let alone the fact, and I mean, let's not, not take away from the fact that they're they're main, I guess you could say, roster, like the, the, their steady roster of people that they have are all enjoyable to watch. I never get tired of watching Tarek. I think he's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. The guy's amazing. And then, I mean, you know, I don't get tired of watching Brent Banks, Tyson Dukes, Cody Diener. It doesn't matter. I, I get a lot of fun watching Dylan Andrews. You know I mean? Like, they're all... It's fun to watch. They're great people. I, I haven't met a bad one yet anyways. So, I mean, I, how, how can you have a company like that. You can't. I, I don't
0: think so. Exactly. Um, and then going back to what we were, were talking about. Uh, hey, you're a Tarek on the Toronto card. card. We'll start from the beginning. Um, they wrap up on the, uh, July 15th and Sunday at the music uh, at the Phoenix. And that's going to have the Defiant Internet uh, Championship defended as Walter uh, defends against Matt Cross. John Greed against DJ Hyde. Kevin Blackwood versus MJF, TDT versus the rep in tag team action, Sebastian Swab versus Marion Reed, Brent Banks, Eric and Tyson Dukes team together to go against Malice. And Scotty O'Shea, Brandon Kirk, Mike Rollins, and Trey Miguel all face off in uh, four-way action. So that looks like another, uh, great card, uh, the match that stands out for me obviously is uh, three of the four pillars against uh, Malice and that continues that sort of story that's been going on with them
1: I would like to see I've never I've yet to see them uh, in in person I would like to see TDT every time I see them on TV those guys are a hell of a tag team so I mean that would be pretty cool to see and then again another Matt Cross match you
0: can't disappoint with that match It'll be a good one for sure. Yeah, TDT. I've, I yet to see either. I've seen them on posters, but not for here in London. Well, um, I've,
1: I've, seen, I've seen them on the Fight Network,
0: and they're they're entertaining as hell. So. look like French lumberjacks.
1: Yeah, they're awesome. They remind me of like a they're like a way more manlier, uh, like tough man
0: Rougeau brothers. To me, <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah, and then earlier this week, uh, there was another announcement about the uh, Super Showdown. And three of the uh, big names that are coming are uh, that's PCO, Pierre-Carolette, speaking of the Rouge Os and that sort of team. Uh, Jeff Cobb is coming and also Brody King. Huh. Plus Joey Janela and Tessa Blanchard. Oh, my. So and I, those guys are all going to be mixing in with everybody else that is uh, regular uh, Smash talent.
1: I also haven't seen uh, Joey Janelle in, in real life either, but seeing some of his stuff on the internet, and he's also very entertaining.
0: To be honest, I was least impressed with him when I uh, saw him at the Northern. I, he just reminded me of another Brian Kendrick.
1: Uh, I, don't, I don't hate Brian Kendrick, so <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose I would like him. Today. I feel like Brian Kendrick, like he, he has that ability to like get under your skin real good, and he like makes you angry at his character. So I, don't, I, I, I that would be interesting to see. It would be interesting to see if I would feel the same way if I saw him live. So,
0: yeah. I was actually more impressed with uh, Matt Riddle uh, that day. Especially when he uh, did the uh, two intergender uh, matches with uh, Mia Yim and then uh, Kimberly. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen him either. So, but I've seen things about him and I've seen his on, online and stuff. And they're good talent. So, and, and they, they bring in all these awesome guys too. And I mean. Yeah, we can go back over this again. Just, they're just so good to watch, man. They can bring any of these guys, and it's still going to be a good time. So I saw Matt Cross at the at the Cowboys show before they switched over to Music Hall, and he was fun to watch, man. He's you know,
0: it just yeah. Yeah, so uh, I guess that wraps up the upcoming events uh, with Smash over the next uh, couple weeks, including the Super Showdown August 26th in Toronto and that's their Wrestlemania and so- If you're looking to get into the wrestling business, check out the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory This school is located right here in London, Ontario, Canada Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers around It's located at 309 Exeter Road and it's open Monday Wednesday and Thursday 6th P.M. till 8.30 p.m. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. Teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. Position over to the spotlight uh, for this week is... Somewhat, who we've been giving praise to in the way they they've created the nucleus around them to have good people. It's the endorsement Sebastian Suave.
1: Well, I know he's a big part of the smash. Uh, like, like I guess you could say management squad or whatever you want to call it. He's you know he's a he's behind the scenes guy. He does a lot of work, He puts in a lot of work, and I think he his character and the direction he's gone. Since the first time I saw him, the first time I saw him, he was in the tag team with John Greed. I personally didn't really like the tag team, but it, it, that, was, that has no bearing on what I'm saying here. But he, now his character is, you know, this pompous ass type guy, and he does really well with it. He, like, he's another guy that can get under your skin. Like he, he's, It's working. The fans are booing the shit out of him when he's in the building. I mean... He could be fighting, a, you know, a Dylan Andrews or a Brent Banks. It doesn't matter who's arguing or he's who's across the ring from. He's and he's he's getting the job done. And and you know he's he's moving up too. And he's getting quite the the. You know, he'll be he'll be in a title picture one day too. Yeah, for sure. Like
0: I first saw him as you did with uh, John Greed and the Overdogs, and uh, yeah, on his Twitter, if you uh, check it out at uh, Suave Wrestling. He's listed as the founder, CEO, and executive producer for Smash, Smash Wrestling. Yep,
1: and all of that talent as well. So,
0: yeah, so he was able to balance uh, between uh, all that. I uh, while trying to figure out what to talk about with this, I uh, went back to some other interviews, and one of the reasons why he split from the Overdogs with John Greed was he was trying to find that balance between owner management and being a talent and wasn't being able to do it all as needed. And then he became a father and now he has uh, two kids. And yeah, so he's doing a lot of good balance and trying to, uh, and succeeding in putting out a great product while being in the ring as well.
1: And, yeah, and, and and taking his character and pushing his character as, as, as far as he can go with it and succeeding, like you said. Like, I mean, like, I know I, I, I personally like his character because I like those villainous type guys. But, I mean, I, uh, when I go to the shows, all my buddies, they're all booing the crap out of him, and I, you know, I, he, it works, you know? So,
0: yeah, he has an arrogant, and then having a kingdom there as his mouthpiece, and occasionally uh – stopping for a commercial break throughout his match definitely puts a twist that is not normally seen in even the mainstream, like uh, Impact or uh, WWE. And, and he picked that
1: he, you know, it was his choice to pick Kingdom. And, I mean, Kingdom is another, is, is a guy, he's like an average looking Joe, you know, and he he fits that role so well as well. He is definitely a mouthpiece by every sense of the word. That guy... Um, with the crowd all the time, you know. And, I mean, the two of them, yeah, I mean, they're they're very entertaining to watch, so.
0: Yeah, Kingdom for me is somebody I need to look back on and see um, what exists of footage from him from before because when Dave and I went to uh, the Northern Tournament, it was him against Tarek, and you'd think, oh yeah, here's uh, the sort of manager going against the wrestler uh, thing that you always see in WWE, and the manager obviously gets beat up, and you're like, okay, what's going to happen? And in this case, Kingdom apparently has 20 years experience prior to right now, and he did a really good match with Tarek. Sebastian hardly got involved. He did a moonsault off the uh, top rope to the floor, which was jaw-dropping in itself. So you got all the 20 years' experience that Kingdom brings to the Sebastian Suave uh, character and legacy, and they make a great pair.
1: And I mean, and yeah, I saw that on the Fight Network, and it was, it was, it was awesome to watch and props to Kingdom but I mean also at the same time same can be said for Tarek as well like the guy can work with anyone I'm sure Kingdom's a little rusty hasn't wrestled in a while I assume and uh, Tarek can go in there whether the manager or anyone else and, and make and have a hell of a match you know and I think Kingdom maybe he has a, see, this experience If he, we, I don't know about it so we we'll have to look it up but I mean I think maybe he did a, a quite extensive wrestling on the indie circuit in Bel Air and who knows
0: in Bel Air, where where, uh, Will and everybody is with Uncle Phil. Yeah, go home to Bel Air. So he is definitely somebody I want to look back on. And it's just I admire the fact that he's not even 32 yet. He turns 32 uh, next month. And he's put together this organization that... It uh, started in 2012 after uh, Blood, Sweat, and Years combined with uh, Border City. And he still wanted to continue doing stuff with the alumni and started putting on his own uh, shows and eventually evolved to what Smashes today. And then he set a goal two years ago to get on Fight Network, and he's on that now. Like, it's sort of the homegrown story of Lil Engine the Could, and he has.
1: And if you look at, I don't know the, the complete Smash history all the way back, but if you look at the current roster he's got going with him now, all talented people, the guys he brings in, all talented people, um, he's got some sort of working relationship with Border City and Impact and stuff because you see his, his talent and whatnot going down there for those shows when they're in winter. And, I mean... Yeah, he puts in a ton of work, man. The guy puts in a ton of work. He's you know, he's training. Yeah, he's being a father. That's not easy. You know, it takes a lot of time. And then, uh, and then he's you know doing all the you know, with along with Alan and the other guys. I'm sure, but he's doing all the you know the backstage, the back behind the scenes stuff that we you know that, that they got to do pretty much twenty four seven. And he, uh, like, he's another one of the guys I've met. And he's very personable, very down to earth. Very, he'll talk to you. He'll come over and, and hang in and, and chat with you and shake your hand. And I mean, I mean, it's one of those things, you know. Hard work pays off, and he's
0: probably he's a good credit to that, you know. Exactly, and it's uh, not a surprise that he's part of the uh, group that has been established as the pillars of not probably necessarily smash but also within uh ontario itself and the pillars include himself tarek brent banks and tyson dukes yep and if you look at some of
1: the guys some of the guys that he's brought in in the past you know he's brought in some big name guys like i guess you know uh you know kevin owens who's now in wwe has been in the smash ring and uh and even guys on NXT right now, like Oni Lorgan and Drew Gulak from 205, they were smash guys. And, uh, you know, so, I mean.
0: Johnny Wrestling himself was Johnny the uh, champion for a long time, uh, for over 400 days, Gargano held the belt. And so, yeah, like, as much as you want to keep those guys and uh, highlight them, they're making their name in the indie circuit and having time to come to towns like London. And then they go up to the bigger guys, whether it's ROH impact or deputy. I'm and sure. The, yep. When one of, uh, uh, Kevin Steen's last matches was in a, uh, smash ring against, uh, Tyson Dukes in Toronto. Yep. And I'm
1: sure that given the way these people are that we've met through this, I'm sure that he wants nothing but the best for all of his you know, friends in the company. So, I mean, he's probably just as stoked as anybody when, when say Kevin Bennett is, you know, a security guard in a Goldberg confrontation on raw or, you know, whatever, like I forget the other guy's name. There was a, and, uh, God, I'm drawing a blank right now and uh, I think an Indian guy or something that was here in London one time and he did a little stint on TNA or whatever and I'm sure he he loves seeing all his buddies and, and guys that he's going up and down all around Ontario with succeeding and getting these, these opportunities right I mean yeah really good guy really got a good mind for the business it seems like a good business sense you know so I mean can't say i can't say a bad thing about sebastian like i yeah. said i've, I've had the chance to talk to him a few times and he's been nothing but great with me so and i'm just a fan you know so i mean like
0: yeah, i wish him nothing but success like i said, he's just turning 32 and already this far i'm 42 and way behind on anything like that like
1: yeah, but who knows? Maybe, you know, you get keep going down to visit that school, and you'll be doing moonsaults off the top. Uh, no, I know my
0: limitations. I'm not Diamond <laughs> Dallas Page. I'm just there to sp- uh, watch and enjoy.
1: That can so. be your finishing move, man. Scumbag moonsault right off the top, rope to the crowd.
0: There we go. No, <laughs> I, if at all, I'll, I'd go the route of uh, Jay Smith and try to get into the roughing part of it if I... Advance anywhere further than what we're doing with the just fandom of this podcast the page, but yeah. So that was our uh, spotlight on Sebastian Swab. So. Hey, it's Jody
2: Thread, and you're listening to Scumbags Podcast.
0: Cody Diener recently shared that he is now a recommended speaker for the Canadian Student Leadership Association, The Leader's Edge. Their mission is to support and encourage student leadership in Canada. This directly lines up with Cody's own mission. To contact Cody Diener regarding inquiries, email him directly at Cody underscore Diener at Hotmail.com. Also throughout the months of June and July, Cody will be raising money for the Lansdowne Children's Center Every Kid Counts program. 100% of the money raised from his cartoon character poster sales goes to this amazing program. You can donate at shows or purchase a poster online directly from Cody. Once again, at Cody underscore Diener at Hotmail.com. Be sure to support Kerry Diener wherever you see him or online. Just uh, recently saw that Diana Hart and Bret Hart are asking uh, fans to join them and sign a uh, petition at uh, British Bulldog. Uh, go into the Hall of Fame and you can go to uh, TeamDavidBoySmith.com and so far there's over 18,000 signatures. It's unknown if uh, Vince is going to acknowledge it or not, but hey, Dan O'Brien wasn't expected to be in the main event at WrestleMania either, and they listened to the fans, so who knows, maybe uh, David Boy Smith will uh, be in the Hall of Fame. I just figured it he would he
1: would go in at some point anyways. I mean, Vince seems to maybe I don't know I don't know if he holds a grudge or what, but he he seems to come to sentence or whatever you want to call it at some point in time. Like, and, I mean, British Bulldog may not have been the most amazing wrestler of all time, but he definitely did have a good career in WWE, from tag team to singles to, you know, him, him and his Bret Hart match in Wembley Stadium was amazing. So, I mean, like, he's definitely had some moments, and then he had a little career, a little stint in WCW. It was pretty, not not terrible, not great, but not terrible. And I mean, he definitely, I think he's deserving. There's You know, I always say... It, and it's kind of a joke. I mean, I don't really mean disrespect, but I always say if Coco Beware goes in, then, you know, this guy can go in. So, so you know I
0: mean, so you yeah. never know. Unfortunately, it might uh, rely on Diamond Kid uh, that aspect and not being disrespectful to him, but because of the animosity that's involved, until uh, he unfortunately passes or that gets fixed, they can't really induct the. Bulldogs or the Bulldog without having some uproar from dynamite involved.
1: Another thing that would concern me, I guess, a little bit, I mean, I assume the Hall of Fame is based on career, but I I see a lot of stories in uh, in, the, you know, I've read and whatnot about Davey being a complete asshole behind the scenes and uh, basically a jerk. I've seen Jake Roberts say, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was an interview with stone cold or something somebody but they were he was just a real jerk apparently And i don't know if that has any effect on whether a guy goes in the hall of fame or not i don't know if it's like strictly wrestling career related and and goals and accomplishments and and whatnot in in the ring or if you being a shitty human being outside of the ring has a play in that as well so i I mean but that 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 would be that would be my only thing i would think that i could come to mind that would be why davey boy wouldn't go in the hall of fame
0: Yeah, I've heard uh, sometimes it depends on uh, Vince's mood or, you know, also some of it is dependent on where they're actually holding the Hall of Fame because you need that local flavor to attract uh, fans to that extent. But, you know, as I said, I heard one day Vince could be all about uh, somebody and then next thing you know, you turn around and ask him about that same person and he's just like, no. So it it depends on if the sun is shining in Vince's world, if he wants that person in. So who knows? Maybe, uh, like I said, if the fans uh, speak loud enough and there's enough influence from uh, Brett, Davey might make it in. I think the issue with Owen not being in still is in uh, Martha's uh, corner as she has basically tried to eliminate anything of Owen from. The wrestling world and i don't even think her children get to see any of what their father did before he is passing
1: well i think it's a no-brainer absolutely a thousand percent that if and when that ever gets patched up owen goes in immediately like there would be no question asked it sounds to me like from anybody from vince to any guy on the roster that Owen was, like, one of the most beloved guys in all of wrestling. Like, everyone just loved the guy. So, I mean, to me, Owen goes in without questioning if they
0: ever get past that, you know. Martha conference. Hart issue. Yeah. So, and that one would be interesting because I uh, currently envision, if it did happen at one point, that you could see Kevin Owens doing somewhat of the induction with Brett accepting. Because Owen's such a yeah, huge fan, even taking his last name from Owen and even naming his child Owen. Yeah, that could be. Big. It could
1: be a twist like
0: that, or you know, maybe even like.
1: I could just see something basic like you know the Hart family on the stage, like whether it be like you know Teddy Hart, Natalia. Probably even Natalia would be a good one to do the inductions, or even even his son. They were uh, not. Oh, uh, I mean, David Davidson, oh, Harry. Uh, yeah, the whole you know and, and and Tyson kid and whatnot. You know, I mean, the whole little younger generation guy, Maybe you know, maybe Kevin Owens, but I, I definitely would see Natalia being a top runner to do the presentation of her. Uncle,
0: remember, right? And she was in the ring uh, at the end of Calgary Stampede pay-per-view when all the Hart Clan got in there. I think even uh, TJ was at that time. Um, also in WWE News.
2: From Michael Finney from Bret the Hitman Hart. And I know the team Davyboysmith.com is trying to get a petition together to have Davy Boy Smith in the WWE Hall of Fame. And they got 17,300 signatures and they might need one more from Bret the Hitman Hart. I totally believe that the British Bulldog belongs in the WWE Hall of Fame, and it wouldn't be much of a Hall of Fame without him. So I want to back you 100%, Michael Finney, and keep up the good work, because you are the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And thanks for being a big fan of the Hitman.
0: Coming this October 26th to 28th, at the Western Fair Agriplex. It's the fifth annual London Comic Con presented by Start.ca and London's best rock, FM96. Scheduled to appear are former D- UFC champion and former Deputy Intercontinental hardcore and tag team champion Ken Shamrock, the most dangerous man on the planet. You'll also see from Star Trek The Next Generation Deanna Troy, Maria S- uh, Sertis. From Buffy the Vampire Slayer Spike James Marsters The Yellow Power Ranger Serena Vincent Ted Raimi From Ash vs. Evil Dead And Xena Warrior Princess Star Wars Bounty Hunter himself Boba Fett Daniel Logan will appear Plus many more names To be announced in the upcoming weeks It's a three day celebration of art Comics And pop culture with celebrity guests, vendors, and more. Don't miss Southwestern Ontario's largest fan event. Tickets are on sale now. For more information, go to LondonComicCon.ca.
1: you're listening to scumbags podcast it's your boy
0: aiden prince
2: it is the game triple h the wwe truly is a global phenomenon the wwe universe exists in more than 800 million homes worldwide and speaks over 25 languages but australia has been a home away from home for wwe for over 30 years in 2002 though We broke ground when I competed in a historic main event against The Rock and Brock Lesnar at the Global Warning Pay-Per-View. And now, I am truly honored and privileged to be able to announce WWE's long-awaited Pay-Per-View return to the land down under. WWE Super Showdown will take place in Melbourne, Australia at the iconic Melbourne Cricket Ground on Saturday, October 6th, live on the WWE Network. And we are bringing our biggest and best WWE superstars from both Raw and SmackDown Live, including John Cena, Roman Reigns, Sasha Banks, Braun Strowman, Charlotte Flair, AJ Styles, The New Day, Daniel Bryan, and the baddest woman on the planet, Ronda Rousey. Not to mention my opponent at WWE Super Showdown, the one and only, the Phenom, The Undertaker. It has been six long years since one of the greatest rivalries in WWE history was said to be dead and buried. But legends, legends never die. The Undertaker and I have some unfinished business. And WWE Super Showdown, The Undertaker, will once again know why I am the cerebral assassin. And Undertaker, I promise you, this is no game. So Melbourne, Australia, there's just one thing left to ask. Are you ready? Ready?
0: in a car accident and the car was totaled and he was admitted to the hospital but released and they kept him off TV this week that they're hoping to have him at uh, Extreme Rules next week defend the titles. Uh, any thought on that?
1: I don't know because I saw the article as well yeah. and he was like charged her for distracted driving or something. So what I wonder is... Where does WWE, like, are they going to, will it affect him? Will it, or will he just come right back in because Matt Hardy and him are so hot right now that they're just going to sweep it under the rug and keep going and pretend like never happened? Because the same thing is an issue, I believe, not too long ago. Jeff Hardy was just arrested for drinking and driving or something. And they've kind of put him off TV for a bit or whatever. I mean, I don't know what, maybe it was like a little bit of a suspension. I have no idea. But then he's back now and still defending his belt with really no, you know, repercussion from said incident. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. I, I kind of feel like they're just going to slide Bray back in and and keep it going because that is a hot tag team right now for them.
2: Yeah, they, I think it you know, just came
0: off due to injury because even on the table for three, which was table for four, they joked about it saying, oh, we got you a taxi ride home, Jeff. And that happened <laughs> just after uh, his arrest when they reported that.
1: Well, I think uh, yeah, go ahead. Vince, is, Vince is notorious for uh, getting little cheap shot one-liners in there. He obviously, you know, probably, I, I think it would be safe to say, told somebody "Hey, to say that. You know, He's very notorious for getting those in there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I think I think likely you see Bray come back this week and, and, or next week whenever he's able to come back and he's just going to slide right back in the picture with no problem. I'm glad he's okay. I don't know what the issue was in the story, the the details, but I mean, I mean, it's scary stuff when you see these guys in these stories like this.
0: We're going to get cut off in a moment. So in injury news was that uh, Fandango uh, injured his shoulder and will be out about six months, if not more. Um, That kind of leaves Tyler Breeze in a lurch. Um, Myself, I'm wondering if that will be an opportunity to take him out of the tag team scene and even send them to two Oh five.
1: Well, I don't know. Like, have they, have they been getting TV time lately? I mean, I haven't really been watching. So like I've been watching, uh, but not full hundred percent attention. So I haven't seen any present angle matches. How do you know uh, yourself?
0: Possibly. A, I think it was. Uh, like it was just this past week. Um, yeah, I think that if at all they've been doing uh, the main event uh, show. I'm doing hmm. connection with, uh, with that.
1: Well, that's gotta suck for a guy that is probably scratching for any sort of TV time he can get, and then you get a little bit and you get hurt, you know. But it will probably—I don't know if it will affect. It, I mean, it, it, it could possibly affect Tyler Breeze in, in a bit of a, a crappy way, where they may now have nothing for him until Fandango gets back. Or if somebody's thinking and on the ball, they might do something like you said. I mean, Tyler Breeze would be a welcome addition to 205, I think. I mean, he would be really good. Or even so maybe back today, I have been putting guys back in NXT again. So maybe he goes back there for a little stint until Fandango's, you know, back and healthy again.
0: Hopefully, uh, works out for him and gets some sort of TV time, and not put it on the shelf until Fandago returns.
1: Sometimes, and that's the, that's the problem I think too. Sometimes that happens when you're in a tag team. If you something happens to one of your guys, then all of a sudden, well, we got nothing for you for a bit, and you're kind of stuck in limbo. And for these guys that are, you know, lower card players right now. Super talented, unfortunately, lower card players, they are already in a way stuck in limbo. You know what I mean? They're scratching and clawing for anything they can get, basically. And then that happens. It kind of does, it's just kind of a, you know, a short end of stick, shitty situation
0: for them. Yeah. Um, a couple other things that I had written down is the fact that um, this week marks the season finale of uh, something else to wrestle with on the WWE Network, and so far, uh, just with this season that they've done, they did The Mega Powers, Ted DiBiase, Undertaker as Big Evil, The Rise of the Rock, AJ Styles and TNA, John Cena, Piper Russo, WCW, I mean ECW uh, version of from WWE, but this week they end with CM Punk. Ooh, well,
1: I would like to watch that, and I hope to. I don't know what time it's going to be on. I, I've only watched the Mega Powers one so far. I don't know if I can go on to on demand on on my, on my TV and watch, choose which one I can watch. But I hope I really um, like. I, I personally, I, I enjoy seeing any topic about CM Punk. So I mean, that'll be, I, that'll be a good one to watch. And I actually don't mind that Bruce Prichard show from what I've seen of it. So.
0: Yeah, I'm an avid uh, listener of his uh, regular podcast that comes out Fridays, and then the uh, uh, show on the network comes out Wednesdays, usually. Um, I'd been without my password and everything to get on the network until just recently, and so then this past weekend, all I've done is binge-watch to catch up on all those shows, and... Yeah, they've been really good. And they show, especially with the visual that you get on the TV, the creators are able to put in video to go along with what they're talking about at that same time. And so, yeah, I find it interesting that the season finale, and hopefully there's season two because it's probably getting a lot of ratings, but it's uh, CM Punk and it's fresh off of the trial time and UFC. You know, so it's very timely that he's still in the news. Well, he's
1: fresh off the UFC. He's what, what was it? He's going to be at that not not, not all in, but at the access thing that's going to be there that weekend or whatever. We you know, yeah, that thing. And then on top of that, he was uh, Bret Hart was just in a podcast somewhere where he. Talked up CM Punk, so I mean, his name never seems to leave. It just floats around, whether he wants it there or not. And so this will be a good. I think it'll be a little juicy one. It'll be it be nice it'll be good to watch because I feel like there's still a lot of bad blood between CM Punk and the WWE, and I feel like um, it'll be it'll be it'll be nice to see on 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 your screen if it's like more edited and written so that like it's fair or if it's like taking shots yeah.
0: I mean, like well, taking... bruce and uh connor have had a lot of leeway except for for the uh ecw show which i think probably got stopped i didn't see exactly why but it got delayed to, uh two days for being put up because they probably were talking about chris benoit and the uh incident that happened with the title and but so they had to edit that out but everything else they've been able to uh push and put on the show so oh, a profile of punk including ovw stuff when he was truly a paul Heyman guy and nobody else wanted him uh will be interesting to see
1: and now that i know that i'm looking forward to that one for sure
0: to make this work. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, one of the other uh, couple news items that I have, uh, there's three coming up, uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, one of Glenn Jacobs' political opponents has uh, called him out for his return to the ring, uh, and she claims that uh, he really doesn't care about being mayor of Knox County. And But at the age of 51, this probably is going to be his last run, and with the election coming up in a couple months, he should be able to do a couple things, even if it's just TV, Um, and then return to his campaign thereafter, after Extreme Rules, next weekend. So is it just somebody doing U.S. politicking to make Glenn look bad? And at the same time, if you were a voter in his area, would you actually care if he's doing that away from your town? I don't think so. I think it's somebody
1: just being a jerk and trying to stir the pot. And I think that him actually being on TV right now, leading into his campaign, is probably better for him, I think, because this, for maybe some voters out there that aren't aware who he is, maybe there's some out there that are, you know, don't know much about him, but then, there might be some that are just going to go... That, that guy right there on TV, that guy that dresses up like a devil and stuff or whatever, the monster, he's uh, he's going to be uh, – he's running. He's running in our town. And they go to the TV and look at it and be like, oh, no way, that guy? I mean, I think it could help him.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's good recognition. Plus, at the same time, the election isn't yet. And he hasn't won anything except for being the uh, nomination for his party, all right? Yeah. So the job hasn't started yet. It's, and, not like he's, it's not like he's skipping out
1: on town hall meetings or something like that to it, go, you know, on SmackDown or something. Yeah,
0: and if, even if it is for a TV shot every once in a while, which I, I think once he does get into uh, the actual political role and wins, he can't do it anymore anyways because I'm pretty sure Jesse Ventura, uh, Clint Eastwood, and all of them who got into politics had to kind of stop acting when... I, they got into office. It was against sort of their political rules in the States.
1: Yeah. I think his, once he, if he got into office, his, he, the leave of absence or whatnot from wrestling for a little while, because the office thing would be his, his new full-time job where he, and, and beyond, you know, where you got to go to meetings and everything else. And you have to be fully committed to that because, you know, X number of people would you in because that's what they want you for. And, so, yeah, that's a no-brainer. I think it's obviously just somebody that's trying to be a jerk and stir the pot, and, you know, maybe somebody that's on the side of one of his rivals
0: that's running against him or whatever. Yeah, you know, just, <laughs> uh, so when that does happen, and I do wish him the best of luck in his election, uh, will you miss Kane when he finally has to hang up in the Um,
1: well, Kane goes in the Hall of Fame, Inevitably no matter what, hundred percent. And per will I miss him? I wouldn't say miss him. I would say I mean he's done really well for the company and there was times where, you know, in the nineties and stuff where I was a huge cane guy and whatnot. But now it's like big shows, you know, I'm done with them, they've served their time for me. And And,
0: uh,
1: yeah, just kinda like, you know, leave me with the memory of the good cane, not the I'm still stuck on the cane in the in the slacks with no t-shirt on. I can't get that out of my head. So I mean, like, just Kane and, and Big Show need to, you know, they've had their time. They've really they've done really well-respected careers. I love them, but they're just uh, time to go forward and do their other thing. That's all.
0: Yeah, there's definitely been some uh, blemishes on his career as is extended, but uh, I definitely have to applaud the fact that he shook the dentist uh, gimmick. Got rid of, uh, got through that uh, horrible fake diesel thing, and his whole backstory to become Kane is something that else really in wrestling has, and that could be an actual movie if somebody took that history that was created for him and put it on the big screen, which they almost did with See No Evil.
1: <laughs> well, that wasn't a, that wasn't a bad movie either. So I mean, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know, Kane... Uh, is just, I think Kane's a very well-respected guy on the roster. Guys left, and he's probably a, a little bit of a mentor to some of the newer guys. I mean, he went through all the ads here, basically with all the you know Triple H and all those guys. He went through the two thousands with that, went in the Cena's and the Batistas and stuff. He's in there now in this in this you know time frame with even newer guys. I mean, he's just uh, he's been around for quite some time. Hell of a run, hell of a career, you know, and it was basically with a couple of crappy gimmicks to begin with and then a storyline with the Iron Taker that unfolds and boom, you know, and now here we are all this time later. But I, 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 I would miss him, I guess, overall. I, I guess I would miss him, like I respect what he's done and whatnot, but I just right now, Kane holds no interest for me on the wrestling screen right now. Oh, thankfully, he is currently with Daniel Bryan,
0: reviving the Team Hell No to go against Bludgeon Brothers next weekend.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with that. I don't know if they're yeah, just maybe they probably won't win,
0: but uh, it's just a nice least a fun reunion in their case.
1: I think so. Or he turns on Daniel Bryan, or they do win, and
0: I don't. I don't really know where they're going with it. But speaking of Daniel Bryan, that brought me to uh, the next topic was the fact that. He was on a uh, podcast uh, interview uh, earlier this week, and he got asked about the future and if the fact that his feud potential with The Miz could extend all the way to WrestleMania without it happening. And instead of really answering the question, he answered it with a question and kind of called out the WWE writing team and asked if... They've even proved over the last while that they have any possibility of extended storylines into the future and that they probably would be uh, hot-shooting it to SummerSlam instead of WrestleMania. Well, good for him for calling out the writing team because at times
1: we've all sat here and questioned it. And, I mean, that Daniel Bryan, Miz stuff... When he was the GM and Miz was on the on SmackDown and they had their you know, on the Smack Talk or after talk or whatever, and they, it was that was a hot you know that I don't know if that was scripted or if it came off Miz's of tongue like that, but it was a good thing going there and they could have really taken that somewhere and they have it they can still do it, but I mean good for him on questioning it because yeah. I, I don't know Daniel Bryan's limited. I, I feel like Daniel Bryan had a really bad injury. He's rehabbed and come back. I feel like Daniel Bryan is limited. I don't know that he's we're gonna get a full, you know, Daniel Bryan forever. So I mean, you be he wants to have that big big feud, and that was the big feud for him right now coming back. That was that was his, you know, he that would have made
0: money. So I think that's why wd has been sort of cautious with doing anything with him because he could be very injury prone, and the smallest thing could send him back onto the shelf, and. Yeah, you know, as much as people didn't like the fact that he went against his cast twice at pay per views and now he has Team Hell No against the Bludgeon Brothers, it's almost inevitable that they needed to save, yeah, you know, to slip it for the Miz, but pay off Miz at SummerSlam. And then if he can continue, then we can maybe get Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and whoever else comes up. But at the same time, his contract ends in september so yeah. does he stay does he go where's his itch does he say hey you know i want to leave and go against people like kenny omega and cody rhodes where i can go all out without any restrictions by WWE"? or does he resign and hope for the dream matches that are still available to him under the WWE logo
1: See, I don't, I don't think with him, I don't think too deeply with that. I think it, it's more along the lines of right now, he just had two, he just came back, he had two pretty intense matches with Cass, like hard, hard going and a little angle, like pretty good, you know, pretty all out matches, I guess you could say. And now what they're going to do is give him a little bit of a, a break, I suppose, have him wrestle still with Kane as a partner. Kind of, you know, some not as much as many minutes in the ring. He's on the apron, you know, tagging in and out, a little bit of rest in the ring, working with some guys, and then maybe the Bludgeons win, and it's somebody it's a little break that he needed, you know, and then and then reform the Miz thing. I think Daniel Bryan and and, and will eventually resign in some manner with WWE. I don't think he goes anywhere because I think with his wife. And her tie to WWE, and then the, the Total Diva show on the other network, and all that True. kind of stuff. Plus him, plus him being a dad. I don't think he's going to risk with WWE and their medical team and their staff and everything else going somewhere, and just just for this, you know, for the love of it, he goes and he does some sort of crazy maneuver and ends up paralyzed. I feel like. He stays under the WWE banner, and WWE will probably do what they can to keep him. I don't think they'll let him go.
0: Yeah, and he fought. I, I just think reinstated. It'd be kind of stupid for him to fight that hard, get reinstated, and then walk away. I think it's hard. I think his heart
1: sometimes speaks louder than his brains, so he follows it, and we can't fault that. But I mean, he. I think somebody in WWE in, in the background, whether it be his wife, whether it be John Laurinaitis, whether it's somebody that's. Able to talk to them, probably talks to them, tells them this is what you know. You, you should you know listen to these guys. You got a good thing going here. And I I think you'll see them stay.
0: Hmm. Um, so um, So last night also UFC uh, did their uh, 226 show, and the main event had Dana Corme win very quickly in the main event, and is now a dual champion. But. After that, he called out Brock Lesnar, who happened to be right at cage side, as uh, some people thought it would happen. And he got in the ring, pushed uh, Cormier, and they got into each other's faces. And Cormier said, push me now, but you'll sleep later. And Brock said, I'm coming for you, mother. And so now it looks like Brock is going to return to the octagon. What does that do with the Universal Championship? Does he drop it or does he... Somehow, stay with WWE and take it to UFC with them.
1: I was talking to my friend on the way to the beach today about this, and I feel like WWE and UFC are in cahoot somehow. They have a working relationship, and that's why we're seeing, you know, their guys, X guys, CM Punk's, the Brock Lesnar's, the Rock. And I see that either two things I think are happening: either that working relationship is gonna go back and forth with WWE and UFC and it's going to, and then there is the possibility that he could be a champion of both things, or he's going to leave WWE somehow. And maybe that contract that he signed after the greatest Royal Rumble was only a very small limited contract date thing so that they could figure out what the heck they wanted to do and re-figure it out, whether they were going to put the strap on Roman or Braun or whoever they were thinking at the time. And then if that was the case, you see him probably drop the belt to somebody or maybe relinquish the belt or get stripped of the belt or something.
0: Yeah, because they still have never pulled the 60-day or 30-day rule of defending, and they could easily get out of it by finally enforcing that or have him drop it to somebody like Lashley at SummerSlam. Or even like have
1: uh, Braun Strowman cashing his money in the bank. At some point, I mean, maybe, just maybe something absolutely ridiculously crazy happens where one night Brock's out on Raw making an appearance and he's standing in the ring like he does where he doesn't talk and all of a sudden, you know, something happens. Maybe the, the roster, Roman comes out or something like that and starts calling him a part-timer. He never wants to be there. You go to UFC, whatever, blah, 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 and the, the roster comes out and surrounds the ring and surrounds Brock, whatever, and then maybe a couple guys... Hit him or something, but then Braun comes in and cashes in or something. I don't know. You know, some some, sort of twist, awesome. some twist could happen. Who knows? I think, but I do think I'm leaning towards a working relationship with two of them. I hope maybe. I'm kind of hoping that I'm wrong, and I hope that like he is just going to go to USC because I am tired. Of, uh, I, I like Brock Lesnar. He's one of hell of an athlete. but I'm tired of his time here, so.
0: Yeah, it it hasn't been really eventful, and putting that belt on him has really diminished the title, I think, but he'd also have to uh, re-enter the USADA testing pool because he has his suspension from his last UFC fight to do, so uh, if he's already entered that, you're looking at maybe a December or January fight against Cormier. Yeah,
1: that's true. And the argument goes both ways too. Like some people say that the him being a part time champion has a great idea because it's it's a draw and when he does come, people tune in. Some people say like, what's good having a champion who's never there. I I personally tend to lean more that way because I sitting here on Raw and I'm bored. I'm watching it and I'm bored as crap because there's no one on it. And if Braun Strowman or Roman or Elias or any of them. We're carrying around the strap every week from week to week. No, not even necessarily defending it, but if they were at least there every week, it would make me more in tune to go. Oh, Braun's there, or Elias is there, or whatever,
0: right? Yeah, a world title like a title story needs to be there. Like that's why people are watching SmackDown because who's going to go after AJ? You now AJ is going to defend his title. Will he retain it? You don't have that d- on Raw.
1: Right, and back in the day, in the Attitude Era, they always advertised that the champion was going to have a match that night or whatever, and half the times, it wasn't even a match. It'd be like Stone Cold would come out to defend at the end of the night or something, and it would turn into some sort of, like, five-minute skit, and it would go off the air. Like, it'd be a match, supposedly, but it was literally a three-minute thing. Somebody came out and attacked them or whatever in the match, and the thing went off the air, you know? I mean, I personally like just seeing the belt and or the champion there all the time.
0: So... Yeah, myself included. Uh, You had recommended that I uh, check out 205 Live and NXT this week because, um, yeah, they had huge matches with, uh, who was it? It was uh, Mustafa Ali and Buddy uh, Murphy. Yep. Uh, Yeah, that that looked like a 25-minute match, and they just were, like, hard-hitting the whole time and flying all over the place. Two hundred five live is the
1: sleeper show
0: for WWE. It is some
1: sometimes it's better than NXT. It's up there with I could watch two. Personally, I could watch two hundred five live all day long. It's the, the the eight guys that they have in regular rotation on that show do not get tiring to me. And it's unfortunate that it's a situation where size is in the play because those all those guys could wrestle all over the place, anywhere in the world, and and they could be on Raw SmackDown if the opportunity was right and people, but it's, it's, it's different. It's a different way. Like Ron Smackdown, the littler guys don't, I don't know. They just don't catch on somehow. Like the crowd doesn't bite in the way they do on these separate branded shows. And God, I could watch 205 all day long, man. And that match I was sitting there and I was cringing. Oh my God. Oh my God. Look at that move. And it was, uh, especially with the
0: Spanish fly off the barricade through the desk and did break. And then, and then you turn the over the, the, up the stairs.
1: Yeah, and then the next night you go to NXT and the same stuff. Great matches with great young guys. Like, uh, and I know everybody on WWE is a hard worker on the TV and stuff, on the, like the talent on that. But I mean, like, these are different style and different caliber matches altogether, and it is fun to watch. And anyone that's not watching 205 is 100 percent missing out.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest issue is how the main rosters have conditioned viewers to see their uh, talents in contrast and you have uh the big stories going on around smackdown but you have the action going on with uh 205 and nxt and it's sort of the upside to triple h having his hands on those ones as opposed to the other shows and maybe uh, ron smackdown will turn that way when vince does like having control of nxt and 205 live That's where the difference in visual, I think, is between the four shows. And 205 Live would benefit so much more if he was able to bring it to a smaller venue uh, like Full Sail and tape it like how they do with NXT. And then you'd have crowds who were wrestling fans who were flocking to it to see that show and not be a minor show after you've seen all the main eventers from SmackDown.
1: Well, I, I, is it after? I think I think it tapes like before SmackDown goes on the
0: air or whatever, right? Like I think no, the- they they do it actually live, right after. So you might see AJ Styles have a stare down with his next opponent for the uh, world title. And they have to quickly shut that down, clear out that ring, get the other announcers down there, and they have, like, in two minutes, a flip over to start 205. Uh,
1: I thought it was beforehand.
0: No, oh, that's why they call it 205 Live. It's oh. still live. And before SmackDown starts, they're taping uh, superstars. Oh, that's crazy. I so mean, you I guys went through... One or two uh, dark matches, which are superstars, then two hours of uh, SmackDown, and now you've sent all your big talent out there, and now you're expecting them to stay and watch the Cruiserweights. And, and that's the same. are leaving at 10 o'clock at night.
1: Exactly. And then also, then that's the same situation they have a problem with on television, I think. Human beings that have to work full-time jobs and take care of kids and put the kids to bed and get them ready for school and have showers and everything else cannot easily sit down and watch three hours of wrestling on Monday, three hours of wrestling on Tuesday, one hour on Wednesday, two hours on Thursday. Just not possible. You know what I mean? like You have to start getting into recording things and getting a chance to watch it when you can. So the minor shows, I guess you could call them, the one-hour shows or whatever – they are even, even though some of the guys you might want to see that aren't getting all the TV time and stuff are on these shows, and the actions there, those shows suffer because they're not able to figure out a way to bring them and include them into the like they, like, they basically all but having the CWC match or the CW Cruiserweight match on uh, on uh, Ross. You remember when they used to have one, you know, to showcase their Cruiserweight talents once a night or whatever.
0: Yes. Yeah. they don't even do that. They really don't even do that anymore. When Triple H took over. Um after the whole Enzo uh, situation and Vince was about to uh, trash the whole thing, uh, Triple H didn't want the guys overexposed anymore and took them off of uh, Raw. And even in that case, the issue that happened there, they killed the audience by having to always change the uh, tape and the ring skirts and the mat. And you can only sit there so long to watch ring changes and ring changes back to a raw ring before you totally just put people to sleep if they hadn't have done that from the start on raw and just presented them as part of the raw roster on those nights it might have helped them instead of killing their fans i think i agree and i
1: think they should what they should do is they should start to when they when when smackdown goes to fox on friday nights i believe in in, in their new tv deal that they got down the road I think they should just never mind with this with the labels. Never mind the two hundred five or the NXT or the labels. Just put the guys on Raw. That you have on Raw. The guys on SmackDown. That you got on SmackDown. Don't say this is a cruiserweight match or this is these are NXT guys. Whatever you know. Just let it happen and let the fans go to who they like to go to. If you if you, if you gotta switch the ring to purple, so I know it's a two hundred five match. Then I'm gonna be bored. And while you're switching the RAM, I'm probably gonna go out and get a beer. And I might not even come back for the match now because I'm having a beer in the lobby. And just let it happen, just let it flow. Like this, the show should flow, you know. I remember when there was cruiserweight guys and then the attitude there like talking Mishinoku and stuff. They didn't change it over. All they did was put on the screen uh, like, a cruiserweight match or whatever, right? They didn't change the arena over and do all this extra stuff. Just let it flow. Let these guys have the exposure they need. Every talent on Cru- on, on, on two hundred five live and almost and pretty much every talent on NXT are all incredible, incredible talents and let people pick who they want and yeah. watch what they want.
0: They and want I, I said, though, I would pull the 205 Live guys and put them in full sale or somewhere exclusive where you're getting a fan base who come to see them and they get uh, a following before you release them and do a NXT takeover. Because you see the difference between the full sale and then they get given a whole arena people are flocking to see that show because of how closed off NXT is to yeah, just the,
1: it, WWE product it's basically its own brand people feel yeah. that way whereas 205 live is a show that's on the network that's like I guess after smackdown now but it's uh it's that's just what it is people don't even know half the guys name. there's only 10 talent on the show that you see regularly but i agree Expand the roster. I would think that would even be a better idea. Expand the roster, it's still gonna be called Two Hundred Five Live. Put it in full sale or something, and have it one night a week, two hour show, one hour show, whatever you want. Expand the roster and and same thing. Make it. It's making it its own brand. It's still a WWE product, but it's uh, it's it, it will attract its own fan base. You know, or other than that, you don't you don't put so much emphasis on them being cruiserweights and different, and just let them be on the show.
0: You know? And then you said about NXT, EC3 yeah, took on uh, Johnny Gargano in the main event. And I would,
1: that match was insanely awesome, but also so was the Velveteen Dream match. So, I mean, the NXT was a solid hour of programming. I mean, the, I was the, those two hours of wrestling right there were the highlights of the week for me.
0: And next week for uh, NXT is going to be just as good because um, you got the undisputed era invoking their rematch clause against Mustache Mountain for the tag. Team.
1: Yeah, the rematch against Mustache Mountain. So, I mean, that's going to be a hell of a show too next week.
0: Yeah, and then uh, Danny Birch uh, challenged uh, Cole to a North American title, and that was approved by Regal. Carrie Zane's going to be on there against Vanessa Bourne. Like. Uh, just that, that in itself is stacking the card, and Alistair Black and be appearing. So each I, week, there's always something to tune into, and they're not getting overexposed that as well either.
1: For me, I find that as personally, and, and I, I don't like. I know they all work hard, and I know they all, you know, everyone tries to do their job the best of ability. I, I never like to cut someone down, but personally, the way I stand right now with WWE product is. Even though Raw is supposed to be the flagship brand that they lean everything on, I enjoy watching NXT and 205 Live more than any other brand, any other product right now in WWE. And then I would pick SmackDown after that. And then I would pick Raw last. Raw to me is not right now the one that I hang my hat on every week
0: that I have to watch no no matter what. I would agree with you because um, one thing that I pointed out um, when I was listening to Sunday Night's main event with uh, Jason Agnew last week, was the fact that the biggest issue with the main roster TV, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, especially Raw, is that writers don't seem to be writing episodic television. We have people, I think, in creative right now, who are just doing cut and paste and not thinking long-term booking like how it used to be, where you would have an angle of, say, SummerSlam. Okay, yeah. so we don't have 12 weeks. How do we fill those 12 weeks to get to the end game? And they're just going week by week, cut and paste, put this person versus this person. Here you go. And I think the two weeks in a row, Raw was almost the same show, and then you go over to SmackDown, and it's the same show except for insert this person instead of that person. And I don't know if that's – Lack of quality
1: writers, if that's they're just trying to share the time, TV time with all the talent and get everyone out. I, it's hard to pinpoint since we're not actually writers. So, but I agree 100%. It's not like, a, it's not storylined. It's not episodic. It's, you know, a storyline can be one week and then the next week it's completely gone. It's washed away out of the table for some reason. You don't even know it's, it's, whether what, 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 what we're there. And it's, it's kind of like, it makes you feel like, you're lost on Wrestlers on TV for the sake of watching because you like wrestling, and which is great. But I mean, like you're not invested in it. Like you're not like, say, if you're a Roman Reigns guy, you're not like so crazy invested in Roman Reigns because he's in this insanely, you know, magnetic feud with like Braun Strowman for the next four or five weeks. It's Roman Reigns this week with Braun against Braun Strowman, but next week he's teaming up with Seth Rollins to fight against. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre for whatever reason, and then the next week he's fighting Bobby Lashley, and he's there's he's just on, he's just on a car ride going around. You know what I mean? It's like what the heck? If, if it was Roman Reigns in a deep feud with Braun or Elias or whoever for six weeks, sure, some people get tired of seeing the same thing. But you know, there's ways to make the storyline go. And you know, one week it's a steel cage match. Next week it's a you know Roman's can't be here this week but live from via satellite he comes on and blasts you know whoever he's wrong for a bit
0: or whatever you know and it's it's, there's always ways of doing it and like they i think the writers even forgot what they were doing this past couple weeks because they had roman in two different programs at the same time so he had to do double duty this past monday by teaming with seth and then teaming with bobby and it's like what I know.
1: I sometimes I just wonder because I don't There's know. There's enough the talent. Writer. I don't know who the writing team is, so I have no clue about that. I can't, I, I just speak because as, a, as, a, as a, in that on that subject as a fan, but I just wonder sometimes. Like, are the writers just guys that they've hired because they have writing degrees or or, or business or you know, whatever? Like, do they know anything about wrestling? Do they even care? Do they even like wrestling? Is, or is it just a job to them to go on and write a script for a television show and put it on? For I sure.
0: don't know. You know I, and that's, that's where like. the old uh, school mentality used to have retired wrestlers doing the bookings because they knew what they liked and what was needed, and so they pass that on future. Yeah,
1: I don't know. That's it's, it, that's something that we've touched on many times in the past. It's like a
0: so, you know we, we're not
1: there, so we don't know how it really is. But it's something that obviously, as a fan. You have, you're either with it or against it, and you have your opinion on it, and it's... Uh, and I'm complaining because I watch it anyways. So, I mean, they're laughing all the way to the bank. Like, this guy's saying what he wants to say, but he's going to watch it anyways. So, I mean... And that's just true because I love wrestling. But, I mean... I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird thing. I wish there was more continuity in the storylines, and I wish there was more involvement, and I wish there was more, like, in-depth and more really just to grab me gravitate me towards certain things. But... I don't know. I don't don't know what their thought process is right now on that.
0: Well, uh, we're getting close to probably being cut off again, and that's probably all that we can get in. Uh, There was just New Japan left. So I want to thank you before we get cut off, and uh, we'll put this together and get it out uh, hopefully within the next day or two. All right, man. Good luck editing that. (laughs) Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks for joining (laughs) me. Later, man. Ciao. Bye. If you're looking to get into the wrestling business, check out the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. This school is located right here in London, Ontario, Canada. Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers around. It's located at 309 Exeter Road and it's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 6 p.m. till 8 30 p.m. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. This past Saturday, UFC 226 wasn't the only show available to be watched. There was two choices of wrestling events that you could have uh, taken part in. Because Saturday Night Rise Wrestling and Impact Wrestling Held a very special women's event in Chicago called The Rise of the Knockouts. It was a show exclusively on Twitch with Delilah Doom set to defend her uh, Phoenix championship against Shotzi Blackheart. Unfortunately, both ladies suffered injuries prior to the event, and the whole main event had to be changed. Marce- Mercedes Martinez was challenged by Tessa Blanchard. It, in the previously advertised thirty-minute Iron Woman match, a new champ was promised to be crowned by the end of the night. Going down to the last second, Tessa Blanchard scored a pinfall victory over Martinez, giving her a two-to-one victory and was crowned the fourth-ever Phoenix of Rise champion. The other match of note on this event was Sue Young defending her Impact Wrestling Knockouts title against Soraya Knight the mother of WWE Smackdown Live GM Paige, in a Falls Count Anywhere match. The match did eventually uh, leave the ring and made its way to the back of the uh, gym where there was a ladder set up against a wall that led to a storage unit. Knight tied a rope around Young's neck and then dragged her up the uh, ladder to the top of the storage area. In a move that I was actually very shocked and surprised that they pulled off, Young was then pushed off the ledge with the rope still tied around her neck. Security caught her to break her fall and prevent her from being hung. Knight then hit a crossbody onto the security. The finish to the match happened when Young spit her mist into Knight's face and rolled her up for the victory. She retained the impact knockouts title and will now move forward to Toronto in two weeks to defend against Madison Rain at Slammerversary. Cody Diener recently shared that he is now a recommended speaker for the Canadian Student Leadership Association The Leader's Edge. Their mission is to support and encourage student leadership in Canada. This directly lines up with Cody's own mission. To contact Cody Diener regarding inquiries, email him directly at Cody underscore Diener at Hotmail.com Also throughout the months of june and july cody will be raising money for the lansdowne children's center every kid counts program 100 percent of the money raised from his cartoon character poster sales goes to this amazing program you can donate at shows or purchase a poster online directly from cody once again at cody underscore at hotmail.com Be sure to support Kerry Deaner wherever you see him, or online.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money.
0: The biggest card that happened on this past Saturday was New Japan's G1 Special from San Francisco at the Cow Palace. The first match of the night saw the Bullet Club members Chase Owens, Haku, Tanga Tengaloa, and Yujiro Ta- Takahashi beat Chaos members Greedo, Rocky Romero, Sho, Yo, and Yoshihashi. Second match of the night had Chaos members Ishii and Yano beat Suzuki gun consisting of Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. Third match had Bullet Club members Hangman Page and Marty Scurll, de- defeating Hiroshiro Tanahashi and Kushida. Match number four saw Haruki Goto retain the Never Openweight Championship by pinfall over Jeff Cobb. The fifth match saw the Young Bucks retain their IWGP Tag Team Championships over Evil and Sonata after hitting Evil with a Meltzer driver. Chaos members Okada and Will Ospreay beat Bushi and Nato. Hiromu Takahashi retained his IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship over Dragon Lee by pinfall with the time bomb. However, news has since come out that Takahashi broke his neck during the match. Switchblade Jay White lost his IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship to Juice Robinson by pinfall. Robinson reversed a Blade Runner attempt into a folding press. Juice Robinson was warned that if he used his cast as a weapon he'd be disqualified. And finally, in the main event, where everybody tuned in to basically see was Kenny Omega retaining his IWGP Heavyweight Championship in his first title defense over the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Omega won the match by pinfall after executing a one-winged angel. The Young Bucks were at ringside, supporting Omega and trying to be the voice of reason between the two men, who they still considered Cody as a friend as they were all still Bullet Club members. Brandy Rhodes was also at ringside to encourage Cody on and was used at one point as a shield from a dive attempt from Omega. There was a mixture of tables, ladders, and chairs used throughout the match. Kenny uh, sent Cody through a table, and Cody hit a superplex off a very tall ladder. At the end of the match, the Young Bucks and Omega celebrated in the ring. They eventually left, and headed to the entranceway where they were met by the Tongans. Haku, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa greeted the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega at the entranceway and celebrated as they were all part of the Bullet Club. After the six men talked with each other and celebrated together, the Young Bucks and Omega turned one more time to face the audience and thank them for their time. With their backs uh, to the Tongans, it was the opening needed to be attacked. Haku, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa destroyed Omega and the Young Bucks and dragged them back to the ring where they continued to beat on them. Hagman Page, Marty Squirrel, Chase Owens, and Takahashi all tried to make the save, but each were overwhelmed by the group of Tongan Islanders. During the attack and beatdown, they had removed their bullet club shirts to reveal shirts that uh, read Firing Squad. They then invited Cody to return to the ring. Cody came down limping and made it back in and was handed a chair to hit a fallen Omega. Instead, Cody used the chair on the Tongans but was stopped by Haku and laid out. Marvelling in the attack that they had just laid out, the three men left the ring and headed back to the entranceway where they wanted to remind the rest of the Bullet Club that they were part of the Foundation too. Meanwhile, back in the ring, the rest of the Bullet Club members slowly started recovering. We saw Kenny Omega and Cody finally reach out to each other and shake hands. They hugged, and the Young Bucks joined in the hug, as all four men are now united. can only imagine what this uh, is going to have an impact on as they get closer to going to All In. I have to honestly admit that this is my first attempt at watching New Japan for an extended period of time, beyond clips on YouTube. So, if I ended up butchering any names, I sincerely apologize to the listeners who know these uh, gentlemen better than myself, and I apologize to the gentleman who I butchered your name of. I definitely will look forward to seeing more New Japan, as they seem to be putting out a superior product to what WDE has been doing so lately. That does not mean I'm turning my back on WDE, but I'm looking forward to seeing more actual wrestling and entertainment than what has been provided lately. Who knows, maybe with the addition of these US shows from New Japan and the upcoming All In show with hopefully the same sort of format and uh, feel to it, this will light a fire under Vince to get more creative along with the money that they're receiving from their extraordinary deals from USA and Fox in 2019. If that happens, it's only a win for every wrestling fan who enjoys actual action. I'd like to thank everybody for joining me on this episode, and uh, stay tuned for later on this week as we have our predictions for the Extreme Rules. Thank you, Gord, for being a part of this episode. As choppy as it was, we made it through and we'll be back very soon. Share and like us on Facebook. Contact us on Twitter at Scumbags Canada. And find us online at scumbags.ca. Have a good one. Until next time. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night